on Yutas Kislev, we wish each other just like a new year. What do we say on the new year? We say Shana Tova, a good year. So the Hasidic New Year, Shana Tova, is actually Yutat Kislev. Why? And the reason is because on Yutat Kislev, it was sort of the foundation of the teaching of the Alter Rebbe, Shneir Zaman, the Hasidic Chabad. He taught of them. Now, and therefore we wish each other that it should be Shana Tova, that we should have a good year in the teaching of Hasidus, of the Hasidic teaching, and also in the ways of Hasidus, because it goes both together, because Hasidus, just like Torah in general, is not just an idea, but it wants something to manifest itself in practice, so that we behave like Hasidim, that we act like Hasidim. Because the Hasidic teaching, like Torah in general, but specifically we're talking about Hasidus today, is supposed to make you a better person. It's supposed to make you more modest. It's supposed to make you more sensitive. It's supposed to refine you. It's supposed to be closer to God. If you're going to be closer to God, you'll be a better person. And then you will be able to work on oneself, on their own negative uh, feelings or negative attributes or... Uh, you know, feelings that shouldn't be there of worthlessness or uh, arrogance or all kinds of different things that we all have our own little uh, little things that plague us in, in, in our own so that's why when we wish this blessing we say we wish it so that we study but we also we behave like Hasidim so that we study with both of them together so I want to just in a few words tell you what Yutas Kisla for those of people who are not familiar so the Alter Rebbe, we call him the Alter Rebbe. Means Alter Rebbe means the Old Rebbe. The reason he got the name the Old Rebbe because at that time, when he got the name the Old Rebbe, there were three Rebbes over there. Uh, now we have told the Rebbe we have seven Rebbes, but at that time there was three Rebbes, and they called the Rebbe who was at the time Menachem Mendel. That was Tzemach Tzedek. They called him the present Rebbe, and. The, his father-in-law, who was the Rebbe before, they called him the Mittler Rebbe. The Mittler Rebbe means the Middle Rebbe. And the first Rebbe at that time was called the Alter Rebbe. So it was the Alter Rebbe, the Mittler Rebbe, and the present Rebbe. So this name of Alter Rebbe stuck to the older Rebbe, stuck to Schneer Zalman. So notwithstanding the fact that there was many generations later on, he's still called always the Alter Rebbe. The Alter Rebbe, and he's also known basically for the two very important works that he did. One in the revealed part of Torah, which is the Shulchan Aruch, that's the code of law that he authored. And also the esoteric work that he uh, created, which is the book of the Tanya uh, that he created. And they call him the Baal HaTanya V'HaShulchan Aruch, the author of the Tanya and the Shulchan Aruch, based on his very important works. Now, this Alter Rebbe, his name was Schneir Zalman. And there's a lot of legend, there's a lot of uh, stories, how he was born, but it's beyond what we're going to be able to cover here. It's all written up already in the books. But just to briefly mention, the Alter Rebbe was a prodigy of, as a young boy, and people realized that he was something unique. Not only was he unique because of his intellect and his emotional little state and his level of connection to Hashem, he was also a new soul. He had something unique because our souls mostly, by and large, are reincarnated, are fractions of souls. There are just small fragments of soul. For a new soul recycled. is recycled, sort of. But for a new soul, that's something very unique. It, was, it doesn't happen. It happens very rarely. The Alter Rebbe was known. How do we know that? By tradition. There is no, I mean, nobody, this is, this is Kabbalah that we've had by tradition. That he had a new soul. So he was very, very unique. But in those days, you also we have to realize that it was, a, it was a generation of scholars of Torah study was on, beyond, on a much greater level than we have like today or even previous generations. The Torah study and the geniuses and the level of, 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 of connection with God was on a much higher level because unfortunately the generations keep on going lower, not higher. They keep on going down. So those generations, they, they spend most of their times and most of their lives, they spend in the yeshiva, in the study halls, in the, 
uh, elucidation and uh, inter trying to unravel the Talmud and the codifiers and the laws. It was a lot, a lot, a lot. It was, it was a great generation with great, great people. And you look by the books, by the authors, you can see that these were really great scholars, every one and one of them. So to be a prodigy amongst those scholars was meant really something special because it wasn't just a scholar amongst lay people, it was a scholar amongst scholars. So the Alter Rebbe was recognized as such. And what happened was when the Alter Rebbe became of age about maybe 15, we call it 15, 16, and he's already gone through the Talmuds and back and forth. Today we work for years and years and we can't go through the Talmud. He's covered the Talmud 16 times by the time he was 18. But the, the, uh, they had a different level, a different understanding. They had photographic memories. They, had, they, they were a different, on a totally different level than we are today. So in any event, uh, at that time when he came, he was looking for, he, he learned locally with some of the great rabbis of his community, but it came time to sort of uh, find himself a, a bigger yeshiva outside of his hometown to go to learn, study somewhere. Uh, somewhere that in which he can expound his knowledge and his experience with other great people of that generation. So there were two uh, groups at that time that became uh, famous. One group was the Gon of Vilna, of Vilna, the Vilna Gon, known as the Genius of Vilna, and he was the head in, of the of the of the community of Vilna, which was like I said before, they were all. Masters and great uh, scholars, Tzadikim, they were. He was the head over there. He was like the greatest genius of them all. And we have a lot of the Groz works on all of the, on all of the um, different works. And one of the unique things about the Groz, the Goen Rebeliyahu, was the fact that he covered a lot of various, he almost covered every text. He has footnotes on all the Medrash and all the Gemara and all the Yerushalmi and all the Medrash, you know, everything. He's, he's gone through everything and he is, he's also um, very, uh, he wrote very short, but he also fixed a lot of languages. So he, he, he sort of answered a lot of questions. And in those days, it wasn't so easy printing and it was, it was a lot more difficult than it's today. So he came up with a lot of you know, genius insight, how you fix one word or one letter that was misprinted or misspelled or a different that came in a mistake. And it would answer to like a whole ton of questions and a lot of things would become resolved. So, so he was one, uh, he was on one side of the spectrum. And then on the other side of the spectrum was the Maggid of Mizrich, which also, he uh, surrounded himself with as far as his students. Uh, he was a student, of course, of the Baal Shem Tov, but he also had his own students and he, uh, he, uh, he was, became world-renowned, and he attracted a lot of uh, students, but he was teaching a little bit of the esoteric also as well. He taught Hasidus, he taught the inner, he taught about other, another, another aspect of, of, of Yiddishkeit, not just the legal, not just the halacha, not just the uh, Talmud, but he spent time... And in, in, in the Hasidists also spent time on meditation, on, 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 on praying, on, on, on becoming closer, more in the spiritual sense, not just uh, intellect, but more, uh, spiritually. So the Alter Rebbe had a choice, and he said, you know, where do I go? Which of the yeshivas do I go to? And he, he basically made the decision because he says, look, I know a little bit how to study, I know already. Uh, he, had, uh, he was pretty uh, advanced himself. But I don't know nothing about Hasidus. He says, let me go and let me see, let me try it out. Let me see what it's like, you know. So he decided that he's going to go to the Mizrich, to the Magid. And matter of fact, he was, in the beginning, he was totally unimpressed. He was about to leave because it, it, it didn't impress. But then, before he left, he went in and he had, he had prepared some questions, like some... And, uh, and analytical parts of the Talmud, whatever he came up with to try to, he wanted to test that the new rabbi that he's considering knows how to answer those questions that he has. So, uh, and the Magad of Mizrich sort of blew him away at that point before he left. So he attached himself to the Magad of Mizrich and he became a follower for the Hasidim. But at that time, the uh, not everybody in the uh, Jewish community, and uh, talking about the Haredi, the religious Jewish community, people are very wary of change. Nobody likes change, and everybody's afraid of change. Especially that we know that the Jewish community has suffered 
In those days, you know, there was the Shabzai Tzvi, there was the false messiahs, there was a lot of problems over there. So anybody who comes and wants to deviate from everything that they known, immediately there's like a hesitation and there's objection. So right away they say, well, well, well you know, if we, we lived with the Talmud all these years, we don't need the Baal Shem Tov, we don't need new things. It's, everything is perfect as it is. It's a perfect world. Why should we go ahead and do something new when everything is just fine? We have, we have our rabbis, we have our geniuses. What do you come up with? So it, it, was, it was very difficult for the Hasidim because, of course, the Hasidim were God-fearing. They were religious. They were super religious. They were more religious than the others. I mean, they weren't. And it's very, very difficult for people to be labeled by other people to tell you that you're not, you're not Jewish, you're not religious, you know, you're... A, and, and some of the other people that were threatened, I'm not going to put it in, 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 in the context of, you know, like a power struggle, things like that. It wasn't that even. They were really, perhaps, genuinely concerned. You know, at the beginning, they were, they were concerned. But the Alter Rebbe, and that's just my own interpretation, which I think, I think about the Rebbe, and I think about the Alter Rebbe. I think that at the end of the day, the power that they have was their unbelievable intellect and knowledge of Torah, because they knew what God's Torah was more than the average person out there. So to be a real leader... What are you going to tell people? You got to teach them. It's not just that you know how to inspire people, but you got to teach them the truth. You got to teach them what the Torah says. And the one who really understands the Torah on a most deepest level and can give it over, they're the ones that will attract even people that are on the other side, for example. So there were a lot of people that followed the, the, the Vilna Goen. But when they came across the Alter Rebbe's intellect and his knowledge of the Talmud and his knowledge of the Kabbalah and his knowledge of everything, they had no choice because they saw that he was a man of great stature. Like he was like just uh, uh, he knows it all. He knows it all. So they accepted him, and also the the the, the, the general people were very inspired by the Rebbe's uh, teachings because in general there was a, a sort of a separation at the time. Because there was like the learned people, and then there was the other people, and the the other people, the non-learned people, and it didn't matter why, whether you didn't, uh, you didn't have the education because you didn't have the means, or or you came from a uh, other background, it didn't matter why you didn't have the. But if you weren't educated or you didn't, you weren't part of the elite group, they looked down at you. They were condescending to the other people. There was a separation. Bashemtov, of course, told. Know that there's a value in everybody and every Jew and everything. And uh, so these ideas of making everybody important, saying that there's no uh, one greater than the other, of course, Torah is important, but every Jew is important. God loves every Jew. doesn't matter if you're an accomplished Jew or not. It's just who is just the essence. Your soul is accomplished no matter what. So that was something which was, you know, new kind of an attitude and... Um, so it was hard for the Alter Rebbe because he was condemned by his own brother fitting into this parsha that we're learning today. Torrentia, after all, is the hardest thing for Yosef, you have to understand, was not just that he was sold, but he was sold by his own brothers. <laughs> his own brothers went and they wanted to do away. They wanted to kill him. The pain is so much greater if you're hated by, uh, by an outside person, you're hated. Okay, so you understand. If a goy hates you, you understand. Esau hates you. But why would another Jew hate another Jew? You know, that's... Why would brothers hate each other like that? Why would brothers want to kill me? You know, I mean, so... It's very hard for Yosef, and it was hard for the Alter Rebbe, to be treated like that when they accused him or suspected him of things that he was totally clear of. The Alter Rebbe made tremendous effort to go to the Vilna Goen, to meet with him. He wanted to straighten it out. And there were leaders in the Jewish community. They saw the community was split and it was going, it's not good for the whole community. And they were begging the Gaon of Vilna, they were begging him to go ahead and meet with the Alter Rebbe, debate him. And the Alter Rebbe was there together with Ramendel Haradoka. They were there to prove to the Vilna Gaon. This raining, what's it? They proving, they wanted to prove to the Vilna Goen, that we aren't doing anything against the Torah. On the contrary, we are keeping the Torah 100%. 
and everything that anybody has told you is a lie. It's not true. You know, people, and it's 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 unfortunate a lot of times. Even though we know we're not supposed to accept Lashon Hara, we're not supposed to listen to Lashon Hara, and we're not supposed to, but unfortunately, Lashon Hara makes its way a lot of times even to the greatest of the rabbis. And if a rabbi hears that these things, that this is a threat, a new threat to Yiddishkeit, and there's this, this Hasidim are threatening the Yiddishkeit, they don't want to even, uh, even, even deal with it. Like the, like the Rambam writes in one of the mitzvahs we're learning today, he says there are certain thoughts we're not allowed to even entertain. We've got to push them away. So it means we have to sort of limit ourselves like Avodah idol worship. We're not allowed to even think about it. We're supposed to limit ourselves to thinking just about Torah mitzvahs and not about idol worship. So sometimes when they tell you the Hasidim, you know, they're, they're coming to disrupt, you know, Jewish life the way they know it. So even if they're scholars and even if they're learned, we're not even going to debate them. But that was the extent of the fear that they had. In Vilna, Lithuania. Yeah. So, anyways, it was a very hard time. So, and then, yeah, so they did. Oh, so the the gone Vilna was also a Kabbalist. It was very familiar with the Kabbalist. But this whole movement of Hasidim with the davening, with all these different things, this was this was. It wasn't the way that it wasn't their style. You know, it wasn't their style. You know, it wasn't the style. It was different. So it 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 it's really not so different, but it's a change from what it was. Now, and people weren't going to accept change. Yeah, I'm sorry. Was the altar ready to start of Chabad? Okay, so then we're going to say so. Oh. The, okay, so the what what happened? What huh? This was in the late 17th, the 17th century. Yeah, this was the, we're talking about 250. <laughs> 250 years ago, something like that. In the hundreds, yeah. 1775, yeah. Late 1700s, Now, oh, so you asked a very good question. So, what, what, what was this in the in historically? So, the thing is like this: they had the Baal Shem Tov, and after the Baal Shem Tov came the Magid. That's another story by itself. How the Magid became the follower, because originally the son of the Baal Shem Tov took over, but after one year, he, the son gave over to the Magid, it says that he's the fitting one to lead. He was weak and there was, they needed the strong leadership because they were being attacked from the Misnagdim. It was a very, uh, they needed strong leadership. He realized, the son of the Baal Shem Tov, that he couldn't lead and they gave it over to the Magid. And the Magid was leading and actually surrounded himself, you know, most of the Hasidic groups that we have today, the various different branches of the Hasidim are all from the students of the Magid. They're all from the Magid's students. One of the students of the Magid, well, the younger one, was the Alter Rebbe. So what happened is, the Baal Shem Tov, after the passing of the Baal Shem Tov, a year later, the first, the right away, is his son took over. But a year later, the Magid of Mizrich took over. The Magid passed away in the year Tov Kuf Lamed Gimel. Tov, I know the Hebrew dates, so again, I'm not so familiar how to translate that in, 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 in the English one. It's, it's 533. And, and, and so today we are 770. Six, so no, that's it. So it's two hundred and uh, whatever uh, years ago, you know, more than two hundred. So when he passed away, the Magid of Mizrich, there was also uh, a sort of a, a a a void. There was not one clear uh, leader that is going to take over. He had a lot of great students, Chernobyler, Badichev, all these uh, great names that we hear all the time. They were all students of the Magid of Mizrich, of Zusha, Anapol, Reb Melech, huh? the Ger, the Ger come from another. The Ger is not right then. You know, they they're a branch of of the Chayzer, which comes from from the original, which comes you know there's somewhere where they come from. But they they they're branched out from from the various different Chassidim. But 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 the but the the, the point of it is that after the passing of the Magid of Mizrich. It was a void. So they made the older student, uh, his name was Reb Mendel Haradokir. Reb Menachem Mendel Haradokir. He's actually buried in uh, Tiberias. The, the Magid of Mizrich is buried in Annapoli. Uh, the uh, Mendel Haradokir is buried in Tiberias. I'll tell you, what, what happened was, after the Magid passed away, it was a very fiery opposition from the Mesnagdim, and they did whatever they could to disrupt 
the Hasidic life. They caused them a lot of problems. But the main fortress of the Misnagdim was in Shklov, in Vilna, Lithuania. This was the uh, places where the... And what happens is the Hasidim made inroads. Some of the son-in-laws of the greatest Misnagdim came to be Hasidim later on. So the, the religious world was in turmoil. It was... And, and, and the Hasidim, like the Rebbe they chased them out of the city. There was a rabbi in the city. They chased him out of the city. The Misnagdim made his life bitter that he had to live. They, they ran him out of the city, literally. The Misnagdim were under the Vilna Gaon? They claimed. I'm not saying. The Vilna Gaon at that point has probably passed on already. I'm not sure. Which they became, actually, while the Vilna Gaon was around, it was a little bit more responsible. With his passing, they became a little bit... I, I, I'm not here. I don't know the dates exactly, but I'm just giving you an idea... It was a difficult time in the religious community. It was a very difficult time. It was brother against brother. Tried. That's what I'm saying. They did. Exactly. They tried. They debated this. There were other debates. They came to Shklov. Okay. So what? What happened? Okay. What happened? No, it was. It wasn't easy. It wasn't an easy solution. I mean, they tried. A purely like. With the Snagman, like it was a purely like from a pure intention, they were really afraid that this new group of Hasidim were bringing something that they felt would threaten Judaism. It's, it's hard for me to answer you for tonight, but I would tell you, if just using the common sense, it's like everything that happens today. Some people maimed it L'shem Shemayim, and there's always people that jump on the bad wagon, and there's always people that just, you know, as a machloik is there, they're just gonna go ahead and. They're not, they're not intending it for the right purposes. They just, you know, it's a fighting. They, they just add, uh, they just add, you know, wood to the fire. You know? So there's always those. So what happened was, but what happened is at the end, there was so much trouble that the uh, two of the greatest followers, which was Remendel Haradokar, they called him Remendel Haradokar because he was in the city from Haradok. Okay? So they got Remendel Haradokar and Rabbi Avram Kaliski. Now, Rabbi Avram Kalisk, he was another chassid of the Maggid of Mizrich. But just to put it a little in perspective, so you understand what's going on over there, this Rabbi Avram Kalisk, he had a little bit of a different uh, take on chassidus. Like what? To him, he said, you know, the whole world and all of its uh, order is really wasting your time. It's useless. There is no order in the world. So, they would do crazy things. So like, they would go around in the summer with a warm overcoat. They would go and dance in the street. They would do things. And the Mesnagdim used this as material to fight the Hasidim. Because they said they're a bunch of crazies. <laughs> and they're a bunch. And actually, the Maggid of Mesrish was very upset with, with him about that. And the Alter Rebbe intervened to save him from that. So they did a lot, of th- a lot of times, they did a lot of things to provoke the anger to give the material to, to say bad things, which, by the way, I'm not sure I should bring that up, but I, you know, I'll, I'll say this anyways, you know, as Hasidim of the Rebbe, we also have to be careful. Sometimes, you know, Hasidim come up with saying and doing certain things that people don't understand, and they're just giving other people material to go ahead and bash Chabad and the Rebbe and saying bad things because they're just doing things maybe in a way that people don't understand it. So, you know, in Chabad itself, there's some groups, you know, with the Mashiach issue over here. and uh, So sometimes, you know, the people, some of the side, they're not here to judge or take sides. So I'm not here to that. I'm not smart enough for that. <laughs> All I can say is, we had this historically, we had this, where the Hasidim did sometimes things which came out weird. People didn't understand. It. People didn't think. They thought it caused so much damage for Hasidim. The Hasidim, they thought they are doing good things, you know, but they were doing terrible things because this was used to turn people away, which is the argument of the other people. They're saying, if you're going to tell people that the Rebbe is living and Mashiach and everything else, and you're going to tell them such slogans without explaining to them, you're going to push people away. You're not going to bring them closer. Unless you can have the time that they will appreciate who the Rebbe was or what it means the Rebbe continues to live. So you, but you can't just go around and 
This is one side. The other says, no, we got to say that. This is what the Rebbe said. So again, I'm not going <laughs> to rule on that. But I'm just, what I'm trying to say is both Rebbe David Haradokir and Ronkelisku, the main Rebbe, after just a few years, after the passing of the Magad of Mizrich, they lived in white Russia, in Belarus, in, 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 in Russia. And that was a... a and that was a tough, tough community. That was also, they had a misnagdom on their head over there. And they decided they can no longer tolerate it, and they're moving to Israel. So they moved, they went with a family, it was like about 80 families, I'm not sure. They all packed into the boats, and they left to Israel. Unfortunately, one of the boats actually never made it there, drowned in the uh, sea. But the other, uh, the other ones uh, made it, and that became the beginning of the settlement of Chabad and the Hasidim in, in Israel. The they lived in Tiberias, yeah, the both rabbis made it. They, they lived in Tiberias and then lived in, in, in Tzapat, in Tiberias, and then they moved to Hebron. It was a whole, it was a, so a, whole long, a lot of history over there in Jerusalem. How old these things? Huh? Another famous rabbi who wrote extensively who went to Israel, for later on, these were the two from the following. Later on, yeah, later on, they actually split later on. Also over money and everything else. Because what, what happened was, the people in Israel literally had no way of earning a living. People that were in Russia, in Poland, and in, in, in Lithuania, I mean, a lot of were poor, a lot of people, but a lot of people were able to make a living. But in Israel, there was just zero, nothing to do. So the only way they survived is they used to send them, the Alter Rebbe undertook that also. That was one... One of the things that got the Alter Rebbe into trouble. But the, 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 the point over here that I'm trying to bring out is the Alter Rebbe also wanted to go together with Rabbi Avram and Dardin. He has brought his family. They were about to, he was about to leave to Israel as well, together with the other, together with the other two rabbis. They begged him to stay. They say they need somebody, that, it's the Alter Rebbe's, his capabilities, and it's his responsibility to stay behind and continue to lead the Hasidim and stand up uh, you know, for the rights of the Hasidim to make sure that uh, they're not so overrun by the opponents of the Hasidim. And after really insisting, the Alter Rebbe accepted it and went back. God forbid, he could have been on that other boat. That yeah, it could be. I'm not sure, yeah. yeah. Well, the door is open. Is that yeah, for a reason? Yeah. Elio, I know he's coming? I need it open. I need it. So anyways, so then at the end of the day, the Alter Rebbe was left behind with, you know, having to contend with all the objections, with all the misnagdim, with all the, from the inside and the outside. And by the way, the Alter Rebbe was the one that it was enjoined by the, by the, by the Magid to write the Shulchan Aruch and to, um, so what happened was, the Alter Rebbe would raise, uh, would raise lots of money. And if you read the Alter Rebbe's letters, and it's in the Tanya and elsewhere, he'd raise money to support the Hasidim that moved to Israel because they had no way to sustain themselves. And they sent out shluchim all over the villages and the, the, the towns around Russia, uh, Lithuania, all the places to collect money. And then they would distribute ringgits, they would send it to Israel, and they would distribute it to Rebbe Laradokin. After the passing of Rabbi Laharav Dukkah, then it went to Rabbi Abram Kalisk. He was the one that left over. And then, eventually, there was like a disagreement because some other Polish rabbis came there and they started collecting. The question was, who gets what? They made their own. That's why you have the Kolel, Rabbi Meir Balhanes. You have the different Kolels, the Kolel this, Kolel that. You know, the, you know, various different. The charity was called the Kolel, not to confuse the Kolel from there. No, the Kolel, those were the name of the charity. That was the name of the of the charity, and they still have what they call today Kolel Chabad, which does supports a lot of poor people in Israel. That's one of the uh, main charities in Israel too, Chabad. So in any event, um, the now with the passing of the Goyen of Vilna, and with Reb Mendel Hardoker, Reb Ram Kalisk uh, gone, the Alter Rebbe was the only one basically left in that whole area. He was made he he and he and the Reb Avram Kalisk and Reb Mendel Hardoker. They directed all the Hasidim to them. You go to the Alter Rebbe. He he says he is the Rebbe in over there. You go to him. So now the Alter Rebbe became the main the main force for Hasidim. 
Of course, because now the Alter Rebbe was the main force of Hasidim, so all the arrows were thrown at the Alter Rebbe. So they realized that they have to get rid of the Alter Rebbe uh, in order. So at that point, it's hard to know. I mean, actually, I just read a book, actually, which talks about the... Uh, read, I didn't read the whole book. I read a piece of it. It talks about the uh, history of Chabad. The history of Chabad. And the question is, the question is, when exactly did Chabad start? When was the turn of Chabad? Because in the beginning, the Alter Rebbe was just a follower from the Magid, and he was the leader, the follower after the Magid for all the Hasidim. But it wasn't like a different branch of Hasidus. It was a general branch of Hasidus. So of course, it had the Alter Rebbe's taste, it had the Alter Rebbe's intellect, it had the Alter Rebbe's insight, it had his thing, but it still was not something nothing unique, it wasn't something different, it was the general teaching of Hasidus. Right. So, therefore, uh, but at some point, the arrows, looks like, were all pointing to the Alter Rebbe. And the Mesnagdim realized that if they're going to be successful in trying to beat the Hasidim or eradicate Chazr Shalom as they wanted the Hasidim and Hasidus, they're going to have to take on the Alter Rebbe. But they couldn't take on the Alter Rebbe, not in his learning. And because, as the verse says, The more they caused them pain, the more they outburst. They, there were thousands upon thousands of Hasidim started were flocking to the Alter Rebbe. There's a lot of Rebbe, the Alter Rebbe says they shouldn't come, they should only come certain times. It was too much, it was a tremendous amount of, of the, yeah? What is it? I mean, in the history, when you look at the structure of the Zohar, the Spirit, and Hoffman being in the That's Kabbalah, not Chassidus. So what is... So one second. So maybe we'll try to give it a little later. I just wanted to give a little later. I'll tell you why it's important. I'm just going to get to the end of the... Just to tell people know what Yutus Kislev is. So what happens is, so they wanted to do away with the Alter Rebbe. So they couldn't get away with him. They couldn't beat him in learning. They couldn't beat him in, in Yiddishkeit. They couldn't beat him in anything else. So they decided they're going to slander the Alter Rebbe. They slander from the government. They figured they're going to do away that way. So they brought a slanderous accusation against the Rebbe. And what, did they, what was the accusation? That What, what did they do? They, they, they went and they forged certain papers because one of the things was the Alter Rebbe raised money for the Hasidim in Israel. The uh, Israel at the time was under the Turkish uh, M. Uh, empire, the Ottoman, the, uh, the Ottoman Empire. So they were at odds with the Tsar of, of Russia. So the fact that he's collecting money and sending it, that's considered he's supporting against the other, uh, the enemy, the, the land. Okay. And what they did was they forged some of the amounts of money. So what they raised, they made it look like it's more money, and, and somehow, and then, then they took some of the teachings of the Alter Rebbe. Uh, of the Hasidic teachings, and they twisted it, and they said, so one of the things in the Hasidic teachings is that Malchus, there's the Sefira of Malchut. Malchut is kingship. So the, the kingship is considered to be the lowest, the last of the Sefirot. And it's supposed to be a recipient, it doesn't have anything of its own. So with the Alter Rebbe, this is from the Kabbalah, and when the Alter Rebbe used that language, they're saying the Alter Rebbe is talking negative about the government, because the government is Malchut, and he says that the government has nothing of their own. So that means that he is trying to degrade the government. He's trying to say that they're bad and that they're worthless. And so, and, and many, many more of these things. And the Alter Rebbe said, the Alter Rebbe said that one of the most uh, uh, difficult things that he had was to try to explain a Hasidic concept of Goyshe Kop. <laughs> how do you how do you explain? Uh, Kabbalah and Hasidus and everything else to somebody who has no, ex- no experience in that. But anyways, they put the Alter Rebbe, they succeeded in putting the Alter Rebbe into jail. And, of course, as we'll talk about from what the Rebbe mentions in Asicha, uh, this was not just a thing because the Mesnagdim wanted to put the Alter Rebbe, they, they slandered him. Because everything that happens in the world only happens because that's what Hashem wants it to happen. There's nothing in the world that takes place. Of course, people have to pay 
for choosing bad. The evil Rishoyim, the people that do bad, they kill people, they hurt people, they do bad things. They have to pay for their choosing the bad ways that they choose. But the person that happens to him, whatever happens to happen, has to happen. That's why we say Baruch Dayan Emet. Blessed is the true judge. There's nothing that happens without Hashem's judgment. We don't know why Hashem does what He does, but whatever happens is Hashem's judgment. And there is therefore the assumption, there's a reason, if the Alter Rebbe was put into prison, it wasn't just because the evil people wanted to put him in prison. It's almost like it was Hashem saying, well, maybe what you're doing is not right now, because the Alter Rebbe, maybe he's teaching, taking on the Mesnagdim in the way that he did, disseminating the teachings. So the Alter Rebbe uh, spent 53 days. He spent 53 days in, in, in the prison, and during those 53 days, there's many, many anecdotes. You can read the rest of the liberation of the Alter Rebbe. There's written, it's online, it's everywhere in books. You can read all the anecdotes. A lot, a lot of beautiful stories. But at the end of the day, what happened is, and this is what the Rebbe brings out, what happens is the people who were investigating the Rebbe as a criminal because they took the Rebbe in a black carriage and they, 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 they thought of him as a counter-revolutionary, like some sort of a, a criminal who's a, a threat who's, who's, threatening to overthrow the, the Tsar, you know, the Russian Empire. So they came across later on, while they were investigating, they saw they had before them a holy, intelligent, and a very reputable person. And they were, some of the investigators were people with some knowledge and with some, some maybe some integrity. And they were all amazed, they were blown away. And there was many, many stories, again, I, I don't want to take up more time with just with the story, but they were uh, utterly amazed and utterly impressed. And what happens is, the Alter Rebbe used to live in the city of Lyozhna. That's where he was uh, with Rebbe. But after the prison, then he went a second time in prison because they, they succeeded just a few years later. But eventually he moved to the city of Liadi. And in the city of Liadi, there was a whole new, you can say maybe that's where the Chabad Hasidus really started. The, um, the governor or the one in charge built for them, he allowed for them, he had a tremendous respect for the Alter Rebbe. Hasidus flourished at that time, like for the, till they had to run away once the, um, the uh, Napoleon with his army started uh, coming and then eventually the Alter Rebbe passed away in Tovkufa and Gimel while they were running from Napoleon. But the, uh, the fact is that um, um, the Alter Rebbe uh, um, after Petersburg, after he was released from prison, it was sort of a whole new energy. Because just like the imprisonment was taken as a spiritual uh, sort of maybe stop, maybe question whether what the Alter Rebbe is doing is right, it was now very clear that the Alter Rebbe was visited by the ba- Magid and the Baal Shem Tov. And as a matter of fact, the, the question was asked by the Rebbe, by the previous Rebbe, because it says that they came to visit him and they wanted, he was put into solitary confinement over there. They wanted to know if the physical space where he was, was there enough space for three people there? So what was the question? Did they come to the Rebbe in a spiritual way so they didn't take up any space? Or they actually came down physically so they needed the space? They wanted to know whether the, uh, that room, that place where it was kept, did it have space for three people over there? Or it was just a spiritual. But there was a lot, a lot of beautiful stories that, that was said over there. A lot of great of the Alter Rebbe. But it was taken from that time. He asked them, okay, should I stop teaching Hasidus? Should I change my ways? And they told him, since you started, do not stop, but continue teaching and teaching the Murid. That sort of gave the sort of the start of the particular Chabad Hasidus with moving to Liadi and they were victorious, it was clear. And the Rebbe asks, because it's brought down that the, the Rebbe asks, he says that the, um, the, um, the Alter Rebbe said that he could have gone out of jail with just with, with his hand over his forehead. He could have gotten out of jail. Why? And the Rebbe asks, if the Alter Rebbe could have gotten out of jail, Without all this, um, with all this uh, service, with all the hardship that the Hasidim had and everything else, how come he went through this?
And he answered, it's just like with Yaakov and Esau, he said, in the Parsha. He says, Yaakov could have beaten Esau in a second. He didn't need no fights and no presents. He could have beaten it. So the Rebbe says, what does it mean? But what, what, so what does this all mean? So the Rebbe says, look what happened at the end of the Parsha with Yaakov and Esau. Esau at the end kissed Yaakov. So the Rebbe says, the job, our work is, is not to fight with nature, but to transform and have nature and have the other side join you that they too recognize. So to get Esau, yes, you can get rid of Esau, you can kill Esau, you can push away, you can say, you would discount, we don't care about you, and we're going to do our thing. Yes, that would be pushing away. But the ultimate goal is to transform and take all the physicality Make it into spiritual. Have Esau, who is the opponent, have him turn around. If the Alter Rebbe would have gone out of jail without going through that experience, then, yes, he wouldn't have been in jail. But he would not be able to transform all those people that are there and with the verdict, with everything coming around. The Alter Rebbe wanted the things to take the course it should be in a natural way that the others, that the world itself should agree, should realize that this is what has to be. This is why the Alter Rebbe said that when he was reading the verse, Pada B'Sholem Nafshi Mikrovli. So he emphasizes, I was reading in the Tehillim. See, the Tehillim is divided either by the day of the month, which is what we say in the Chitas, the day of the month, but the Tilm is also divided by the day of the week. It's divided into seven portions. It's also divided into five for him. But the Alter Rebbe in the, the prison, I guess he had time or whatever. He wanted to say Tilm. So he said it as it's divided by the week. He had a book of Tilm. He said it. So he was released on Yom Shlishi, on Tuesday. This year, today, is exactly the same Kvies, Parashas Vayeshev, Tuesday, as it was then at that time. So it was Tuesday. So he was reading the Tilm. So he says he was doing chapter 90, uh, uh, 55, Nun Hei, which is exactly in the Yom Shlishi, which is in the, in the uh, Tuesday. And when he was reading the Pasuk, Padu B'Sholem Nafshi, reading the piece, my, my soul, Yatsosi Ma'ashem Sholem Ha'ashem, freed me, get, let me out in peace. So what does it mean, Padu B'Sholem Nafshi? He redeemed, redeemed me with peace. Redeeming with peace means, Mikrovli, that it means that even his opponents that opposed David HaMelech, David HaMelech unfortunately had Shaul, his children, everybody, he had the fights. The people that were against him were praying for his victory. So that means that the other side also um, agreed. That what, this is one of the, actually, one of the Hasidic teaching when we say, with all your heart. It doesn't say it says two vases. So the Gemara says, the Mishnah says, the Brachas, it's not such a big deal to kill your Yetzirah, to break your Yetzirah. Somebody says, um, when we say, one who is a Gibor conquers his Yetzirah. It doesn't say one who breaks your yetzer. If you break your yetzer, you might get two yetzers from it if you break him. Hakovish is yetzer, it means you conquer your yetzer, which means you transform it, you change it over, you have the yetzer In other words, you teach it and you get, bring the love to HaKadosh Baruch Hu in such a level that even physically and even uh, your animalistic soul appreciates that and says, that's what I want. And the Rebbe explains, the Rebbe says, why is it so important to come to Kislev together, take our time to talk about this? We know about it. Everybody heard this story, or even maybe some didn't hear this story. But we know this story every year. What's the point of getting together? What's the, what's the, what's the purpose of this? And the Rebbe brings from the other cases, like from the Megillah that we read every year, from Pesach. And the Rebbe brings an example by the Seder. We tell the story, you see us Mitzrayim. And what do we say over there? Even we're all wise and understanding. We know the entire Torah. So what is there to talk about? 
you know it already. <laughs> you're a chacham, you're a tam chacham, you're a learned, you're a scholar, you know the whole Torah. So what's the point of sitting? No. You have to tell us the Tzir's Mitzrayim. Why do we have to tell you Tzir's Mitzrayim? comes to Megillah, Purim, every day, year, Purim, we tell over, we read the Megans and Megillah again. We did it. But we heard it last year, we know already the story. What's the point in reading the Megillah again? By the way, there used to be a Yutas Kislev Megillah. It says that the Nachum, the, 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 the son of the Bitla Rebbe, used to have a Megillah, and he used to read through every year, just like we read the Megillah on Purim. He would read the whole story. You know, I told you a little, a little uh, footnotes, uh, I mean, uh, headlines. But he would go through the whole Megillah, and he would read by the Yutas Kislev. And by the way, I just got it, uh, the WhatsApp today, everything is there, uh, a quote from, from the Rebbe, that the Alter Rebbe prayed that Yutas Kislev should have the sanctity of Yom Kippur, that anything you pray on Yutas Kislev, God will answer you. So it's still Yutas Kislev. That's what, uh, that's what they quote over there from one of the, I'm not sure the source, that's what they, I saw that they, 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 they wrote it up. But in any event, um, so, but still, so what's the point? So the Rebbe says, so what's the point? Okay, so we do it by Megillah, and we know we're learning today, the Gemara Megillah, we have to actually verbalize it, you can't just read it in your head, you cannot think about it, you got to get together in the shul, we have to make a public announcement, and we have to do it, or why? So the Rebbe says, the verse itself says, Niskarim Venasim. He says, if you remember and we verbalize it, then we actually act on it. If you just know it, then you're something over there, you're not going to act, you're not going to be inspired, it's not going to bring out in you the, uh, the, 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 the push to actually go ahead and do and live by what, you, by what you did. So, then the question was asked over here, so, what is, what is Hasidus? What is, now, see that it's named, it's called Chabad, it's actually called. So, one would expect, it's called Chabad. Chabad, of course, stands for the acronym of Chochmah Binadas. Chochmah Binadas stands for Wisdom, understanding, and uh, wisdom, knowledge, and understanding. Basically, it's considered the three parts of the intellect. One is the idea, the spark. That's the Chochmah. Bina is the articulation, grasping, taking the details. Das is the deeply contemplation and the meditation, the focus on the idea. But one would expect Hasidic movement is mainly... The purpose of a Hasidic movement would be, would seem, an energy, an enthusiasm, serving God with love, with, 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 with excitement, with fervor, with... Uh, uh, what does it have to do with the intellect? The intellect belongs to the Goen. You know, they're, they're studying the Torah. They're the ones that... The intellect, not to take away, Hasidim study the Torah too. But why call it movement, why call it Chabad, when Hasidim seems to more address... As the Baal Shem Tov says, Rachamana Lipaboy. The Torah wants the heart. That's why the, the Baal Shem Tov used to preach. He used to say that if you do a mitzvah with all your heart, even if you don't, you're not learned, and even if you don't do it with all the details, but if you do it with sincerity, you do it with emes, with truthfulness, and you're genuine, that could be more valued than a mitzvah done by a great scholar, which he is just, you know, just performing and, uh, and showing off or something like that. That's, so... Hasidus teaches that it's the heart. Hasidus teaches you need Ava Vira, you need love and fear. You know, you need to serve, you need to do mitzvahs, you need to do mitzvahs, not just try. If you do a mitzvah just as an obligation, so then you sort of unload it. You do it and you get rid of it. You unload it. You don't really spend time on doing it because you don't love doing it. But if we want you to really do the mitzvah, to be into it, if you love the mitzvah, then you're going to make sure that the mitzvah is done right, you're going to make sure to be careful that everything is done a little bit better, you're not going to rely because you love the mitzvah. So Hasidus and the teaching of Hashem is love of Hashem, fear of Hashem, why would we call the movement Chabad? But one of the, um, I uh, illustrate this with, you know, Hanukkah is coming around, so, um, you know, we have the grandchildren here from Hanukkah. So I'm giving them out Hanukkah guilt, you know. You usually give Hanukkah guilt. So I take out a couple of dollars and I give it. So one of the little kids uh, tells me, Zaidi, I want the real money. He says, <laughs> he wants the coins, <laughs> the chocolates. He wants to give me the real money. He says, don't give me the money. So what does this mean? To the child, the real money is the chocolate. That's his real money, you know, that nozzle. 
We are told we have to love God. We are told we have to love thy fellow. Love your fellow, love God. But what do we do? We don't have the love in our heart. How do you, how do you create a love is an emotional attribute that is not something you can command somebody to do. So you can tell someone, you know what, uh, pick something up from the floor or do a mitzvah, light the candle. Yeah, that you can do. Because you don't have to, it's not a feeling. But an emotional feeling, how do you command somebody, love God, I don't love God. Or you tell them, hate Avodah hate something, I don't hate. So what, what, what do we do? So the understanding is, the reason is, because if you don't have an appreciation of the item, like the child doesn't appreciate what money is, they appreciate chocolate, so they, their love is to chocolate. The thing is, to love God, we have to appreciate God. We have to appreciate the opportunity. If we love to love a fellow Jew, of course we can't just say love him if you don't love him. But if you teach and you learn and you explain and you reflect and you understand what it means that the other person is a part of you and that you're really this one and the same and, and you give yourself the explanation so then you'll automatically begin to love. Then automatically you'll begin to fear. You automatically, it's the command is not just to love, the command is to do the things that bring you to love. And that you need the Chabad. The Chabad, your intellect, of course it is for the purpose of getting emotionally involved, getting excited emotionally. But you need to have that Chabad. You need to focus, you need to study. What do we do when we say to study Hasidic? We don't just study Kabbalah, you know, different concepts. You never see in a mimer, it's not pedagogically or systematically teaching you this is the Chabad, this is the Svirot, and this is that. No, never. Because that's not the goal. It's not teaching you Kabbalah or anything. That's not the goal. The mimer, the teaching of Hasidic is to get you to daven better, to learn better, to love God more, to love your fellow more, to do mitzvahs with excitement to be a better person, to respect others, all the good things, that's what Hasidus wants you to do. It uses the knowledge of the Kabbalah as well as the verses, as well, well as the Talmud, to bring about these ideas, these, to give you an enthusiasm, to give you an appreciation, because it really tells you that what you see on the surface is just a fraction of what's really going on. When you do a mitzvah, when you do a good deed, there's so much more going on. There's spiritual worlds. There's, when you learn about this, you get, uh, you get some sort of an insight and you get a, 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 an inkling of what's really going on. And then you come to appreciate that it's important for me to do the mitzvah. It's good to do a mitzvah. It's good to love another Jew. And it's good. And that is the goal for that. And that's what we need Chabad. We study because just to say the words love them and stuff like that or just to use words of, that are mystical, they're nice, but it's Torah, it's no different. But that's not the goal. The goal is of all this thing is by Yitzhaveinu Hashem, God told us to do all the mitzvahs, to study the Torah is liyira as Hashem is to fear and love Hashem, to do the practical mitzvahs, to connect to Hashem, we have the greatest opportunity to connect with God that nobody else has. That's why we're in this world, doing Hashem's mitzvahs, learning Hashem's Torah. We have a privilege and we have an opportunity that none of the angels have, none of the greatest creations have. We have that opportunity while we're in this world. That's what we learn in Hasidus. That's what we learn in the teachings, to inspire us to take advantage while we're here. To know that that one hour of repentance and good deeds in this world is more valued than the entire world to come. All the benefits and the greatest visions and uh, uh, insight that one can have as a soul or as an angel does not match up to the connection and the bound bind that we make with Hashem while we're in this world. And that's why the Alter Rebbe is told that he used to go into this ecstasy like he, is, he had an out-of-life experience when he would really get so 
uh, emotionally and intellectually involved. And he would always say, look God, he says, I don't want your Gan Eden, I don't want heaven, I don't want the lower Gan Eden, I don't want the upper Gan Eden. He said, I want nothing, I just want you alone, he says. All what he wants is Gvil Dir Chalein, he said in Yiddish. All what I want is I want to connect with Hashem, with the essence of Hashem. That's what we cause. That was the ability that you can connect with only in this world. And it seems like we're on the lowest world. But note Soifam B'Tchilosam. The lowest is actually tied in to the highest. It's like a circle. So on one, on one sense, we're the lowest. But on the other hand, our lowest path circles right back all the way to the top so that there is a direct connection to the highest level. So Yutas Kislev is, of course, the time to... Um, reflect on the Alter Rebbe's teaching, and there's many, many teachings, but certainly to try to make a decision to live more like a chassid, of course, which is hard, but we can all do it, because God asks of us only what we can do, and if that's the expectation to, that the Alter Rebbe said that he brought the chassidists and one of the things is, he says, the brotherly love was the most important thing, thing to him, that the Hasidim should live like one family, care about each other, and uh, really uh, do for each other, you know, and uh, protect each other, protect their honor just like you want your own honor to be protected. So it's to live like a Hasid, to live, to live like, a, to behave like a Hasid, but also to learn the teaching of Hasidus, to learn about the mystical, the spiritual, the insight, so that when we read a parsha or we read something, it seems like very, um, very, uh, you know, uh, physical. Yaakov goes to sleep over here and he does this, but to realize, well, Yaakov's going to sleep and he's meeting up in the place and he's taking a stone. Well, they mean a whole. There's so much more. It's not just. To, it's not just the physical story that you're reading. People that don't learn the insight are missing out a lot because no, of course, in Mikra there's the literal meaning of the Pasuk, and we got to start with that. But there's also, there's so much more. We have to scratch beyond the surface. So, hopefully that Hashem will help us, that we'll be inspired by this Yutas Kislev to want to connect more and do more and we're sure that Hashem Tov said, when Hashem Tov asked Mashiach, when will you come? He says, When your wellsprings will be spread out to the outside, that's when it will come. So, good yontev, and we should be inspired and excited about our Yiddishkeit, about Chsidis, and about all of our mitzvahs and all the Torah that we study. Maybe you should just sing, and we'll sing afterwards. People know how to sing it. You sing it. You, you can sing it, and I will. Uh, I'll leave the room. And Hasidim has the root Chesed. Absolutely. Hasidim means that they go beyond, uh, above the measure of the law. There is a letter of the law. That's Midas Hadin. Midas Hasidus is to do beyond the letter of the law. That's called Hasidim. I'm sorry. Was today? Was was today? But today is Chof. So it's actually. You're asking a question. Let me tell you why. It's interesting. Night. Thanks for coming, Nancy. Thank See you. you. See you. Bye. Actually, it's a very good question. What happened was, eventually, when the Alter Rebbe was freed, so it was made up that he was going to go to a house of a chassid that lived in Petersburg. He was going to go to the house of the chassid, and he was let out of prison. It was already getting, uh, you know, it's a winter day like today. It gets dark pretty early. So he was let out, it was like in the late afternoon, and he was dropped off by a coach, I'm not sure exactly, by the house of that chassid. But there was a mesnaget that lived in, in the lower level. And the Alter Rebbe accidentally, <laughs> or whatever, by, by divine providence, uh, went into the mesnaget's house. And the Alter Rebbe, you know, he was, he was giving the Alter Rebbe a hard time over there why he changed the Nusach of the Davening, and he was sort of... Uh, and the Hasidim knew that the Alter Rebbe was coming, and waiting, and waiting, and waiting, the Alter Rebbe doesn't show up. So they figured, oh, it's finally somebody realized it must have been a mistake. And they go down, and they, and they hear how he's talking to the Alter Rebbe in a, in a 
loud, loud voice, you know, they were ready to break down the door, you know, they let him in. So he says, Rebbe, come, let's go. Rebbe says, no, because he had poured the Rebbe a cup of tea. He says, respect for the homeowner, we'll finish the tea, and we'll uh, By the time the Rebbe was uh, free, went out of the Misnagid's home, it was already the 20th day, because it was nighttime already. So out of this, we got an extra day. Ah. <laughs> so that's why it's Yutes and Chav Kislev. So it's actually two days we don't say Tachanon. The 19th and the 20th days. It was said that the Alter Rebbe said that those hours that he spent in his night was more difficult than him <laughs> than the 53 days in the prison over there. But then, I don't know that. No, no. Is there yeah? The, the way you're phrasing things that you're saying, it sounds like the Misnagdim had absolutely no basis to be opposed to whatever they were opposed. Is there, do, do you think that they were just frivolously evil? You actually missed the beginning of the class today. Yes, I did, sorry. Okay, no, we addressed, actually, that. No, actually, we said, we said just the opposite. Yeah. We only said that some people just bumped, bumped, some people were genuinely concerned that this is, that this is something bad. And that they were going off the derech, you know, they was in. But they said this must be like in old cases, there's some people just jumping on the bandwagon for people, probably some evil people. But yes, definitely. Uh, but if they we would, don't think that they were just frivolously evil, then when we talk about it, shouldn't we give a little bit of credit to that? We did, I think. You know, Meaning, if you listen to the class, you then would say we were, we were pretty, uh, even, pretty even-handed. You came in a little at the end. And, you know what I'm saying? Like it just sounds. It's just at the end, though. You know, but you know, but we, uh, I think we presented a, a pretty balanced look at it. I think even a misnagged wouldn't be too offended. Okay. But what I said, <laughs> I don't think I said something that outrageous. No, we brought that up. Pretty. Um, no, we brought it up. And we said no, but it was here. Okay. Thank you for listening. Thank you, Bella. Thank you.